All right, Andy, I appreciate you uh, being on this episode here. As I told you right before I clicked record, you know, it's been a while. Everyone listening has been hearing just my voice for probably the better half of six months or so. That's not true. There's, there's been some off and on a little bit, but for the majority of the time, they've been hearing my voice. So uh, I think they'll be they'll be glad to, to see that I'm speaking to another guest again. Um, let's do it this way. Tell everyone who you are, the company you're working for, the, the great work that you uh, are trying to make sure exists in this world, and, and we'll dive right in. Awesome. Thanks, AJ. So my name is Andy Santos. My pronouns are he, him, his. Uh, I'm the director of people and culture at Spot Hero. If you are not familiar, um, we are a parking reservation platform uh, where drivers are able to easily find, compare, and reserve parking spots that best match their needs. Because um, the best deal for someone might not be, you know, the same definition of like a best deal for someone else. It could be price. It could be how close the parking spot is. So we provide that service. Um, and at Spot Hero, my role, I'm the head of uh, learning and development, uh, DEI, talent branding. And I also help with uh, recruiting as well over at Spot Hero. And I'm assuming business is probably starting to get back to somewhat normal now that we're pretty deep into settling into this, um, you know, let's call it what it is. Let's be respectful to everyone that's, that's dealt with this. You know, my wife um, spent spent about three and a half weeks in the hospital. So mm -hmm. uh, to, due to COVID. So um, I was one of those families that that definitely felt the, the brunt of it. So I don't want to say that we're out of a pandemic, but let's just right. say we're settling in to what I think is going to be a normal. So you, you, you all are probably, uh, probably getting back to normal business-wise, no? You know, it, it's been interesting since 2020. And I think uh, Spot Hero is a good example of um, how we've used innovation in order to really um, not even cope, but really discover ways on how to keep growing. And, you know, this type of environment that we're in, um, where there's constant change. Right. And I think we faced a big change in 2020 um, with companies, especially companies that have moved on to, you know, remote first. We've heard a lot of like remote first type of companies. We've heard a lot of, uh, you know, flexible, you know, work environment um, type of situations in which really the focus is the need of the person. Mm -hmm. And Spot Hero definitely has that flexible work environment. Um, it, it's definitely um, changed a lot of uh, how companies uh, you know, see, see um, the economy. Uh, yeah. For us, um, you know, uh, you may guess that, oh, yeah, like, there might not be as many people commuting to the office. Yes, there's people commuting to the office, but it might be on certain days. So that might, that might be the difference. But also, um, you know, we brought in, uh, I guess, like, different parts of the platform, uh, such as Spot Hero IQ, which actually helped a lot of parking operators during, even like during quarantine, you know, uh, after quarantine, when, you know, people started to go out, um, this allowed drivers to then find, um, you know, parking that works best for them, but also allowed our parking operators to figure out, okay, what is the best pricing based on demand, right, that I can provide to these drivers. And so that that's helped out a lot of our parking operators as well especially during those you know, tough times um, at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, that's pretty neat. I, I can understand that. Um, how, how long have you been with Spot Hero? About two years now, yeah. Cool. And, and, and overall, how long have you been in HR? Oh, gosh, 2010. 2010, so. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> almost, almost 13 years. Yes, and, and did you and did you join HR and get involved right out of college, or was there something you were passionate about before that? That's a good question. Actually, I wouldn't say in the beginning I was passionate about. I actually graduated uh, in two thousand nine, uh, so the recession, right? Um, which is which is super interesting because like at that time I remember this vividly. Um, I was um, inter interviewing for entry-level roles, and I was up against people with experience uh, already, right, professional experience already, and so that was a tough time. Uh, I started out in recruiting, and how I was able to get that role is um, uh, this, 
I mean, I was applying everywhere, but yeah, it stood out because it, it was something that I, I my my um degrees in marketing, and I was applying for marketing roles. This is one of the roles where like you know what it fits my background kind of. Let me apply, and then that's kind of like where it started. But um, yeah, now I wouldn't say in the beginning I was passionate about it. It was definitely one of those things where, you know, it's a recession. I'm gonna try to apply to every single position that I fit, and then I'm gonna interview and see, you know, what is the best opportunity for me. And that's kind of like how it happened. But that's you know, great. ever since then, I would say I've grown, and I I really like what I do. That's very cool. That's very cool. Let let, let me ask you this out of the box question, and th and this will happen a lot. I um. I suffer from a pretty severe ADD uh, at a quite literal level. I know some people, which I don't think is actually polite, but I know some people joke about that due to them bouncing around, but I actually did. I took Concerta till 19 and got off of it. So uh, so th this is a literal thing. Uh, ADD kicks in a lot, so I will bounce around. So um, this is one of the random moments that just popped in my head, you know, due to, and I think I told you this, right? Like, I spent six years inside of a company as my, my title was head of people, but really um, it was a, it was an incredibly strategic and nuanced role. But the reason why I got that role and what I noticed once I was in that role is I felt the fact that I wasn't a lifelong HR practitioner. Um, I felt gave me, I don't want to use the word a competitive advantage, but gave me a fresh pair of eyes looking mm -hmm. at, I think, problems that lifelong HR people may look at day to day and use their tried and true methodologies or best practices or points of use to fix those issues, right? So when I jumped in and I was looking at recruiting communications or I was looking at employer branding or I was looking at um, the way leaders are kind of built in the rubrics that are there and, and how we kind of structure and organize leadership layers within our organization, I looked at it from a completely different angle. I was a former founder of a company, then I went over and did some other things, and I just had a, a fresh pair of eyes on it. Um, do you feel, in your point of view, kind of, I don't want to call you a lifelong, but you know, you've been at it for a nice bit of time here. Do you feel like someone breaking into the space at a director or an executive level, do you think it's interesting? It's out of the box. It could potentially be refreshing if that person is not, let's call it a 10 or 15, 20 year veteran in the space. Do you think they'd be able to bring a fresh pair of eyes, a different point of view, some refreshing insights to the work? Or do you personally have a a perspective that they need to have that that tried and true background? What's, what's your POV on all that? Oh my gosh, I love that question. No, I definitely love diversity. Um, when it comes to uh, you know diversity and experiences, backgrounds, where people come from, right? Their voice. Um, I like including all of that when it comes to you know problem solving, when strategizing. Um, I'll give you a good example over here at Spot Hero. So with um, on my end, I work with the recruiting team and then our marketing team when it comes to talent branding, and. I feel like in terms of just the perspectives that I get uh, from these two different groups, um, we create um, content that is really engaging. Um, content that is not just, you know, explaining why Spot Hero, a great company, but really yeah. taking a point to share the voice of employees and um, I don't think we are, you know, able to successfully do that without really listening to different voices within those groups, right? Um, so I would say even within our company, um, collaborating with different groups has been very helpful to us. And, um, you know, definitely feedback is something that um, really helps with that. So just being able to create that environment where those voices are welcome and that feedback can be gathered um, can really create that, you know, magic, uh, when it comes to, um, new things, creating new things and innovation. Yeah, no, that's, that's good to hear. Um, cause I think, you know, and, and I share with, I share this with you offline, you know, I'm back out, you know, everyone that listens to this podcast has honestly been on, on this professional journey with me. Um, you know, they know about the brands that I either have equity in or that I lead and that I run personally. And then they know about, 
some of the full-time employment opportunities that I um, either had or uh, are looking to, to take part in. And that's always been, I think, uh, and, and actually you play, you, you play a role in recruiting as well. So you probably have a point of view on this as well to add to, to the original thought, but you know, it's always been an uphill battle, I think, for, for folks like me that, that don't look the, t- the typical part and don't play, I, and I don't want to call it a game, but, but that's kind of how it feels sometimes during interviews where, you know, folks like me that come out of the box and that have developed the skills from a lot of different, a lot of different experiences than the typical one, you know, when we get in those interviews, we may use different words or analogies or examples or may have wins from different areas where the recruiter on the other end of the or the organizational leader on the other end. It just may not resonate with them as effectively as I would hope it would is because most of the candidates we're talking to probably are a tried and true salesperson or tried and true HR person or tried and true you know, product person, but if someone's come out of the box and, you know, has a different point of view on how to approach that work, it's going to sound different. It's going to look different. And so I don't know if you have any macro thoughts on that, but I'm just hoping that the world can continue to be appreciative of people that have a different background um, from the X's and O's and tactical perspective of how they get there and put more onus on, can this person actually do the role not necessarily does this person have 7.5 years with this exact title at this exact type of company in this industry. You see what I'm saying? Like, uh, yeah. I don't know if you have any additional points of views on that, but. Yes, I think it's it's very interesting because you see these numbers on these job requirements, right? And, you know, I, I to me personally, I look at it as a guideline. Uh, okay, um, what type of experience are you looking for? But I agree with you in terms of, um, yes, like someone uh, might not have exactly like 7.5 years of experience, but they do cover those experiences that are needed for the role. Um, Now, I I definitely encourage, um, you know, recruiters or hiring teams to take a look at, um, you know, value-based type of interviewing uh, to see how that person uh, aligns with the company values in addition to, um, you know, like meeting the requirements for the role. Um, and it, it could be, you know, it, especially it's like a tough stuff right now with with the market. But I think just being intentional about that uh, is going to be helpful in the long run. Because um, you don't want to, you know, um, you want uh, you want to get that um, to, to your point, like out of the box thinking, new perspectives, right? You don't want to miss out on that. Yeah. And, and, and the last thing I'll say, Andy, and then we'll move into some of these topics here. I, I think something we all have to remember, and even someone like myself has to remember, we're all just human beings at the end of the day. You know, I did like a four-year stint of like deep dive into neuroscience. And one of the biggest takeaways I learned is that when you're a human being and you're in an interview and you're looking at someone that maybe went to the same school as you, maybe sounds a little bit like yourself or like your cousin or a sister or a partner, or maybe has certain experiences that are relative or similar to your upbringing or how you got into the industry, it's very easy to, 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 to immediately be more drawn to that. Whether it's, and I'll be very open and honest about my background, Andy, like, you know, when I go into an interview and I let them know, like, hey, you know, let's say it's a VP of partnerships role, right? I'll be like, hey, you know, you know, I built out a company from 19 to 23, you know, I hired 150 employees, we scaled, I made partnerships with Under Armour, da, 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 like it looks great on paper, but then they're like, well, they ignore all of those accolades and they immediately go to, well, did you build partnerships in the last three years in this industry? Do you already have prior relationships in this? Like there's these deep rabbit holes where I, I, I get both sides of the picture and um, and I see both angles, but I think what we all need to remember is it's a natural human being trait to, to 
get more excited about a candidate and or a fellow team member and employee that looks and feels and talks and has backgrounds that are similar to someone that you either know or yourself. But at the same time, even if it's uncomfortable, we have to force ourselves to get excited about candidates as well as team members that come from a different background that can execute and do things in a different way. As long as, like you were saying, they may have similar values. Um, they bring something valuable to the table at the organizational level. And on the candidate side, they can just get the job done, right? No matter how you think it should be done, if the job can get done, then we should probably appreciate them, even though they look a little bit different, right? Yeah, results so. focused, but I, I definitely agree. Um, just being um, aware of those biases, right? It, yeah. it, it's really important and um also just in encouraging hiring teams to have uh you know a diverse panel of interviewers um to to your point right like you don't want that um you know group think you know especially like they're aligning with people that they might be biased towards people who you know may sound like them may you yeah. know, look like them. so just having that diverse panel of interviewers is going to be helpful as well let me ask you this andy because it's been it's been uh what four years since i've held ahead of people title so i'm out of the now again obviously i've done a lot of hiring for my own brands and things of that nature but let me ask you this and this is connected to one of the macro topics that we're going to be covering today which is feedback um when they're doing those type of panels right those panel interviews obviously there's a final decision maker walk us through how that final decision maker you know unpacks that feedback contextual to that to that panel because I, I can imagine there could be some. So, yeah, number one, tell me maybe about how it works at your company. Number two, not to talk about your company directly. Maybe let's talk about some of the more other companies you've heard of or some of the or some of the potential negative pitfalls or 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 um, moments where I think people can miss the mark on collecting feedback from a panel perspective during an interview process where there's a final decision maker, but you have to get that feedback and get that insight from those that you're trying to put in front of that candidate um, from a diversity perspective. So give me the good and the bad around this whole panel thing, because I personally, um, for the for the companies that I've hired employees, I have not done that process before. I know that's something that is um, that is becoming more normal in the last, let's call it five to seven years. So I would love to know from your perspective, how does that all go? How do you how do you gather the feedback from those that are on those? How do you gather the feedback from fellow leaders and managers that are on the panel? And how do you feel the decision makers that inevitably have the right to make the decision? How do they best utilize that feedback so that we all can make the best decision? You know, oh, for sure. Um, Big question, but I, <laughs> I'll try my best. So the, the way we, I'm going to start from the very beginning, um, you know, when it comes to talent branding, um, we definitely make sure that our message is inclusive. Um, we want to make sure that people see representation when it comes to our content, because um, you want to make sure that you create that environment in which people can see themselves working, right? Um, and that's why I think it's worked for us, because we are able to provide that diverse group of interviewers, you know, for these, for these open positions. Um, now, uh, when uh, we do um, offer our employees with um, unconscious bias training and any type of like DI resources that we can provide, this year we provided uh, an allyship training as well, because it's, you know, it, it does align with that interviewing part um, as well. It helps uh, with identifying those biases and um, how to make sure that, you know, we're aware of that. Um, now, when it comes to uh, diverse panel uh, interviewers, uh, it's a combination of uh, different groups of people. Um, I'll give you an example. When it comes to tech, um, there's definitely not a lot of women in tech, which has been, uh, what is the average now? It's like 30% of tech professionals are women, that's not a big number, right? No, it's not. Uh, right, it, it, I mean, a lot of companies are struggling to um, hire women in tech. So there's definitely, um, you know, we're um, lucky to have that representation within Spot Heroes. We make sure that, 
you know, that is also represented within our um, interview panels. Um, and in addition to that, we also provide candidates with an opportunity to um, talk to someone from an ERG, someone, an ERG leader. So we provide a diverse panel of interviewers, but also we provide that um, ERG um, leader or member conversation if they'd like, just to get a sense of um, you know, ERG support from the company. Um, the thing that I really like is we're inclusive in terms of making sure that um, in context, I mean, there's um, a lot that's changed since 2020, right? And there's been a lot of people, um, you know, working from home, right? They're, uh, they're on Zoom and, you know, it's uh, the, I feel like work and life has been um, mixed together so much nowadays. So we provide um, our candidates on the engineering side with the option to, hey, how do you want to do this um, assessment? So uh, especially within our DevOps team, I know in, when, when it comes to their assessments, um, they provide the option to, hey, do you want to do this take home or do you want to do this um, together with us so we can collaborate? And you can ask us questions live as well. Um, and so providing those options to candidates has been you know, great for us. Um, one thing that I really like is when, um, to answer your question regarding feedback, how is that feedback shared? Um, we use um, Greenhouse as our applicant tracking system. And the way we provide feedback is we have a set of questions and assessments that we ask all candidates. We want it to be fair um, and consistent. So that's a part of it. But also there's a section in there that asks the interviewer, um, how did you feel today? <laughs> Just so um, there's insight into, okay, you know what? I feel like a five uh, when it comes to this interview. Um, I feel great. I feel like, you know, we, we had a, you know, I was in a good mood during this interview. So just an example. Um, so if there is, you know, like in terms of like the, just the feedback, if there is something, um, you know, that uh, might be um, uh, constructive feedback for the candidate, um, you know, we can take a look at how that aligns with, you know, the rest of the interviewers. Um, and that feedback is shared with the recruiting team. It's shared with the hiring manager. Um, and that's kind of like how we make our decisions. Very helpful. I appreciate you breaking that down. L let me ask you this too, because this is also connected to feedback. And I don't know if you all are doing this. And, and frankly, you know, something that has always been a struggle of mine being in the HR space is I've always wanted to try to contextualize everything that I do. And I know when you contextualize things and try to make, you know, an experience, you know, customized for one human being, that's very tough as you're a part of an organization that's scaling, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and, but that's always been my struggle being in HR is that I, I want to try to personalize every little detail of one's experience within the workplace. And again, I know that's not, not only almost impossible it's quite literally impossible to do mm -hmm. um but on the feedback side one thing that i think someone needs to try to figure out because i haven't found a perfect solution to it quite yet when when you all and when i say you all i just mean any recruiter any hiring manager anyone that's involved in the hiring process when when we all decide to not move forward with um said said applicants how can we give that applicant the true nuanced variables and information and feedback around why they're not moving on to round two, why they're not moving on to round three, why they weren't selected, even if they were in their final round, even if they were one of, let's call it three final candidates. What, what can we come up with if you want to just brainstorm for a second? Because I'm assuming you all have certain things, but I don't think there's a perfect method to it yet. How can we give every single applicant true contextual nuanced feedback that's catered and built for them personally around that's that's true, Andy. That's like, look, this is actually why 
you weren't selected to go into the second round. And here's three to four bullet points that are contextual to you, not these cookie cutter reasons, but something that you actually can take home, sit down with your, your partner or your friends or yourself and really, you know, break that down so that you can improve yourself for the next interview. You can improve yourself for the next time around. You maybe are a boomerang candidate two years later are trying to apply to be a part of this company. What, what, what can we come up with? What do you all do? What can you share about that? Sure. And, and, I, and I like that you're specific about providing interview feedback, because I think, mm-hmm. you know, just in terms of capacity, um, a lot of recruiters, especially now, are probably getting a lot of applications, right? So, um, you know, you, you probably couldn't do it for every single person that applies, but at least do it for people that you interview, right? Because you've had that conversation. Exactly. Um, so I'd, I'd say, uh, you know, when it comes to that, um, let them know uh, in, in a timely manner because um, they are looking at other opportunities and you want you want to make sure that uh, they are able to prioritize their time, right? Um, and just in terms of feedback, I would say, think about it as um, how can you help this person, right? Um, and depending on what the interview is, like just, just be, be specific in terms of, um, you know, what the feedback is, what the meaningful feedback that you can give us and what would be, you know, helpful and that they can own. Um, and then open it up to conversation. If it, especially if it's an email, like if just offering that, uh, if you want more information, if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me. Sorry, I had you on mute. No, that's that's a fair point, right? Because I because at the end of the day, we we all have our reasons of why we didn't move on with a particular candidate. And I just I feel like holistically in the world of work around feedback, it is our duty to a certain degree to try to help progress the career of of someone else if we can do so by giving them really impactful feedback. And it's happened to me a few times where I've gotten feedback. And it's work, and I and I made some tweaks, and I got the next gig, or I got the next opportunity, and I reached back out to that person, and I said thank you, and, and that and that from like an employer branding perspective, right, connects connects my emotions and my point of view of that logo of that organization of that product, it 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 makes me look at that organization in a much better light, right, which can inevitably from a long tail perspective impact sales, impact brand awareness impact employer branding and and inbound recruiting where I'll you know having a you know you know having a happy hour with with some colleagues that I have or some friends that I haven't seen in a while and you know I'm ranting and raving about the interview process or about the company overall and next thing you know who I'm talking to is actually the perfect fit for certain said said roles that you're looking to fill right so I've always pushed everything that you've been saying and everything that I'm saying to to any and all organizations around feedback on the recruiting side to, um, you know, to make sure that you are doing it because there's a lot of benefit from a long tail perspective that a lot of, I think, recruiters and companies are just simply missing and not thinking about, right? Right. And yeah, no, I definitely agree. And this is from, you know, back when I was still recruiting, just from my experience, um, when I, you know, taking the time to you know, provide that actionable, helpful, meaningful feedback, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been able to get referrals that way. Um, you know, if you give them, um, you know, kind of like the, you you were talking about like bullet points of the reasons, they might be able to find someone who, okay, you know what, I can recommend this person based on this feedback. Um, and I've been able to get re- recommendations that way. Yeah, 100%. Um, let's talk about some triggers for a minute. Uh, I was looking over some of the bullet points you share with me and, 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 and one of the, that stuck out to me. You said, you know, possible triggers to be mindful of when receiving feedback. Uh, what, what are the first couple of things that come to mind? Sure. Um, I'm going to start with like, you know, why this is so important. Um, feedback is really important because um, none of us, uh, you know, are perfect, right? Uh, we, you want to keep growing. Uh, there's things that you know we might come across in terms of challenges. We want to hear from people on how we can improve uh, and grow, right? And so feedback is really important. Um, now, when it comes to feedback, 
receiving feedback specifically, I think there's things that we uh, want to be aware of when we're receiving feedback. Um, you know, we need to be mindful of, you know, maybe possible triggers. Um, there's three. Uh, so there's truth trigger. What that means is something that is simply not true. Uh, so an example of that could be me uh, doing a company presentation, right? And then um, uh, sending out an email with a summary of what I presented. And then someone comes to me and says, oh, I have feedback for you. I think you should have done this. I think you should have added, um, you know, visuals of ABC, uh, when in fact it's something that I presented. But in so that that is something that is not true. So I would try to take uh, switch that around and hear out the person. Maybe um, they have valuable feedback that uh, will help me in terms of how can I engage this person more right? Um, you know, I did send it in like two different ways through a presentation and through an email, but maybe I could have emphasized it a little bit better. So, you know, listen out, listen to their feedback. Um, the other trigger would be a relationship trigger. Um, and uh, this could be a situation in which what is, we think about what is your relationship with that person who is providing us with feedback? Has this person treated me you know, in a way that's not the nicest, right? And they're giving me feedback that could be a little bit triggering, right? Am I, you know, am I feeling judged? Um, so I would say in terms of feedback, um, be mindful of that and hear the person out. The more feedback we get, the better, because then we can figure out what the outliers are. Um, and then identity feedback. Does the feedback make us feel like our sense of self is threatened or we're belittled? Um, I'm, so I, I'm, I'm an immigrant. I grew up in the Philippines. And so, um, it's interesting because, uh, <laughs> I guess it's mostly like in, in the beginning, not in the beginning of my, um, in the beginning of, uh, I guess like when I stayed in the U S, um, uh, sometimes I would, um, you know, do presentations and, you know, if someone finds out I'm, you know, English as a second language, like instead of like providing feedback regarding what I presented, the clarity, um, or, you know, their takeaways, the feedback might be, oh, you have good English. <laughs> so, uh, that could be a, an identity trigger. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, those, I would say like those three things, I definitely try to keep in mind. Um, cause I, I want to hear that feedback out, um, and try to get the, um, takeaways, uh, so I can figure out if it's something that, um, okay, this is going to be helpful. This is meaningful. Mm -hmm. Well, quick, quick, uh, quick little fun feedback question for you. What is you, what, what's your overall feedback, um, on Manny Pacquiao since you're from the Philippines? Oh my gosh, that is horrible. Cause like I, I'm horrible cause I don't watch boxing, but, um, uh... no. but you know, <laughs> I, I'm sure you, I'm sure he, I've heard he's done amazing things for, for, for the, uh for the country there uh yes yes um i i know he uh has won a lot of championships that's mm. the extent of my knowledge of manny pacquiao but um well i yeah. think i think he ran for president as well right was that did you hear yes, about did he? <laughs> you are probably right i wouldn't be surprised oh yeah i, I think yeah. I, I don't think he won but i think he also ran for president too oh so. my gosh well, that, that's not surprising. I mean, we've had um, actors run for president. So an athlete, I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised. Mm -hmm. Which is a fun fact, right? Okay. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, so let me give you some, some points of views that I have around feedback, because I agree with everything you're saying. Um, I, so a couple of things, and I actually would love your point of view on this and how this can maybe happen better or if this is even happening at your company but something I was a big big fan of when I was um when I was in house is I tried to find different ways to to train leaders to conduct I would call them like I would I would they would they would be like their own separate pulse one-on-one kind of meetings and interviews where I would probably set it up I'm trying to remember I think I think like twice a year where I would have the leaders gain feedback from their, their direct report. So let's say I was talking to a manager that was leading 
a team of eight or a team of 12, I would say set up one-on-ones over the next few weeks for 30, 40, no, 50 minutes each, and just get feedback on certain categories from them around uh, on you, right? So get feedback from them around how how much more available they need you to be for them and some of the contextual variables of what that availability may mean, how much more you can support them around learning and development and mentorship, how much more you can support them around their career mapping plans and initiatives and some recommendations for some potential internal mobility variables or how much adjustments you personally can make around contextualizing your communication style when talking to them so that you're not causing a threat response or not triggering them in certain ways. What are your thoughts about kind of having that, you know, refreshing conversation two, three, four times a year with and training managers inside of teams to, to go to their small group of eight and say, hey, you know, two, two times a year, three times a year, let's just Let's just make sure we're all in alignment here and, and, and I'm doing my job as a leader to make sure that I'm getting some really contextual and insightful feedback from you to make sure your experience within this team um, is the most optimal. What are your thoughts on that? I love your examples because they're specific. And that's one thing when it comes to feedback that I always teach people is be specific on the feedback that you're asking about, mm -hmm. right? Um, one of the things that you mentioned is availability. I think that's really, really important. Um, am I, uh, you know, am I available when you need me? Am I providing, you know, enough support uh, just in terms of like what you need, right? Because people are in different uh, parts of their career journey, right? Yeah. A senior person is definitely not the same as like an entry-level person. You know, they might need more hand-holding. So I think that is an inclusive way of uh, being able to not just um, grow as a leader through feedback and getting those, um, you know, meaningful, actionable ways on how to do that, but yeah. also it shows the employee that you care um, because you um, definitely are invested in making sure that you keep growing as a manager based on their needs and being yeah. able to support them in a way that, you know, is aligned with their needs. So, and, and this is, and, and I would love to get your two cents on this too, like this whole category of feedback is one of many, I think, strategic components of anyone that's at a director or VP or C-suite level of HR that I believe should be a part of our job responsibilities more than I think it is, right? Like, I, and, and I don't know if you have a, a two cents on this, but when I was in-house, I was pushing very aggressively to say, look, a lot of my time should be spent on training and leading managers. A lot of my time should be spent reviewing the feedback of, you know, of an eight-person team on product or this 12-person team in marketing around the feedback that they've explained and, and been transparent and, and honest about regarding their leader as I look to, to make a recommendation on what type of learning and development support this manager may need, or mm -hmm. if this manager is even, you know, effective anymore, right? And, and, and Andy, I don't, I, I won't ask you to give me any direct feedback on this one thing I'm going to say, because I don't want to put you in any danger. <laughs> yes, I appreciate that. Uh, but I will say this, I've been on the record and I stand on this, like I, I my chest is pumped up like a like a silverback gorilla. Um, I have been on the record saying that, and I've done this actually, and it took a lot of pressure to make this happen. And I pulled it off finally though, but, but I've been on the record by saying, I believe feedback amongst many other categories, if measured correctly, and if driven through an employee's first lens, if the feedback consistently comes back that a leader and a manager within that's leading a certain team, unit, department, et cetera, has caused significant discomfort, has caused um, certain areas of a lack thereof, psychological safety, let's move on from that one, uh, or, or has caused um, folks to leave the company or consider leaving the company or a drop off in productivity because that employee felt 
that they couldn't go to their manager to ask for support. So their productivity dropped off. And now they feel like they're on the brink of getting fired. So they just decide to do a quiet quitting moment and walk out. And really all they wanted was more support from their leader, from an L&D perspective or an availability perspective. I believe leaders need to be fired for those little subtle variables, Andy. Like not just some of the more black and white and clear tactical reasons and point of views of why we remove leaders, but let's start removing managers because of the consistent feedback that, you know, the employees are giving on that manager and how that manager is not showing up best for their team. Um, as comfortable as you may or may not be, give me your two cents on that. Yes. And I like that you're using the word consistent because I think that's a, that's an important word there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, because when it comes to feedback, um, I think, you know, a good leader um, really would appreciate that, even if it's like constructive feedback um, that they can uh, use in order to improve as a leader. But also, I think m- more importantly, be able to, um, you know, serve their team, right? Um, and I think it's, you know, it's unfortunate, like we were talking about uh, psychological safety. It's really unfortunate when employees are in a situation where they don't feel empowered anymore. Mm-hmm. They don't feel like, oh gosh, like my leader, I can't even ask this person for support because I'm not comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, past experience of not even getting that type of support that I need. Yep. Um, so it, it, it is, um, you know, a, a tough to, situation to be uh, kind of like in that work environment where you don't feel like you can be, you can do your best work and be your authentic self. Uh, now, um, when it comes to, I guess, if, if it's consistent, yes, actions need to be taken, uh, conversations need to be had, but, you know, as I think that type of like feedback from employees, um, as leaders, we need to take advantage of that because that is, that is, um, meaningful feedback is going to be helpful, um, it, when it comes to the success of our team, mm-hmm. when it, so our success as leaders, um, you know, you don't want to be that, uh, you know, type of leader that is known for making people uncomfortable, right? No. Want to be that type of leader that is known to be, um, you know, people are inspired by you, right? And I know that's like a big word, inspired, but um, when people are inspired to work with you, when people are uh, feel um, that they can be their authentic selves working with you. Um, you know, you can definitely uncover their potential. Yep. And, and, and this is the last thing I'll say, Andy, and then we'll move on to some more thoughts around feedback. But the last thing I'll say on the manager and leader perspective, if you don't want to do it because of the humanistic, just good hearted variables of why it's important to, to get feedback from your employees and take that feedback seriously, do it because it quite literally makes an impact to the bottom line and the productivity of, of, of that said department of the company, right? Like if you're in product, if you're in marketing, if you're in finance and you're in HR, if you're in, and whatever, whatever department of the company you're in, do it because it's going to make your department, make your team more more profitable more productive do it because of that reason right like i I, i've been on the record at scale saying look because i and and this is i'm actually going to require you not provide any feedback on this part andy (laughs) because i'm (laughs) going to go in a different direction but i have been on the record to say multiple times we need to recognize that human beings actually have psychological trauma and and pain and issues where there are lots of human beings that are great, that are great subject matter experts or great at process or great individual contributors that are not great human beings with other human beings. Like that, that is true actually, right? Like that's not, I don't think it's actually, I don't think it's that scary to say that out loud. I think a lot of people are afraid to say that. I think a lot of people in this world today, and HR has definitely taken a new kind of um, a new kind of a importance in the world of work. Um, but but I just think that's true. Like some people are not the greatest human beings um, with other human beings, and it's okay if you have a leader that no longer needs to be a leader of people, but that need that that you restructure and reshuffle their leadership position 
to be an individual contributor based leader because they have a subject matter expert. Um, they, have, they have a subject matter expertise that maybe can help you, you know, go into a different direction that maybe you wouldn't have gone before, only work with certain leadership behind the scenes on process or positioning or making new relationships with certain vendors or whatever, whatever it is, you know, that they're doing, you don't necessarily have to put them in a position to lead a team of eight or 12. They can be more behind the scenes type leaders. And I've actually helped steward some of that initiative. Um, so again, whether you're comfortable or not, you know, share some light on that, because I know that's a little bit of a little bit of a touchy subject for some. Um, but, but I think it's, it's the truth, right? So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that and we'll move on, but. Yes, no, I, I agree. I mean, there are, again, in terms of, you know, someone's career journey, I don't think it's always going to be the traditional um, career ladder, right? We see career journeys now going in different directions. That could be a switch from, uh, you know, manager to principal to, you know, more of an architect, an individual contributor, or you can be a functional leader that doesn't necessar necessarily have um, individuals reporting to you, but you lead a whole function and you collaborate with different groups. Um, and I think that's just, you know, part of, you know, part of our growth in our career and realizing where strengths are um, and where we can make the most impact. A thousand percent, a thousand percent. So one or two more things here on feedback, and then I'll get you out of here. Um, I'm, I'm looking at your list here, and a couple of these are really popping off to me. One of the first or second or third, I mean, we talked a lot about feedback already, but but another variable would be on the spot versus prepared feedback. Um, give me a few thoughts there. I have I have something I want to say, but I want to kind of let you kind of set set the stage for this for this uh, for this bullet point. What what did you mean by that? What what best practices can you uh, can you share with us? Sure. Um. So yeah, on the spot versus prepared feedback. Um. I think. Uh, there are many of us that, you know, I would say sometimes like after my presentations, like, oh, what did you think about that? Mm -hmm. um, when I know that myself, I'm not good at on-the-spot feedback. Mm -hmm. It's like, I have to remind myself what good feedback is. Good feedback has to be specific. It has to be helpful. It has to be um, a dialogue. I don't just want to, uh, you know, I don't want someone just telling me like, oh my gosh, it went well, when they haven't had the time to think about, okay, let me think about, you know, the presentation that this person did. Um, prepared feedback to me is, you know, if I was doing that presentation, um, I would approach maybe a mentor or a coach, if it's like a speaking coach, presentation coach, right? I'll let them know ahead of time, like, hey, um, I'll be presenting at this time, uh, and I'll be presenting this topic. Um, would you mind, you know, sitting in and then just, you know, providing me feedback on, um, let's just say, uh, delivery uh, feedback on clarity, right? Um, be specific about what you need um, and then meet with that person. Mm -hmm. Now it's not on the spot. You give, give them a heads up so they have time to like really think about it, take notes and give you more meaningful, more actionable feedback. So that's what I meant by that. No, 100%. You know, you know, what's coming to mind right now, and this is something that my wife and I are starting to learn in therapy, and I'm very comfortable saying that, you know, I think, I think on a sidebar, I just think therapy needs to be something people are more comfortable with, just period. Um, I don't think it should be a negative thing. But, but on that note, what we're learning, and, and I've applied this in my professional career, you know, you have real time, you know, real time processors and gradual processors. And once again, that's another variable of contextualizing your leadership style or relationships with, 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 again, a team of eight or 12 or whatever you're leading. I think it's important to know, like, look, I have a, I have a team of six right here and two of them are real-time processors. I can literally present a new, bold, crazy idea or throw a new initiative on their plate and they're going to run with it immediately and they're going to do so at a high level. And I have a couple others over here that are going to need to gradually process this. They're going to mm -hmm. need to take it, you know, they're going to need to take it home, process it a bit. You know, if I gave it to them on a Wednesday, they probably will get back to me Friday afternoon with how they're going to approach it on a Monday. 
And I think leadership and organizations need to be okay with both and maybe even be strategic about how you have certain real-time processes or gradual processes being led by certain types of leaders. Because I know for me, I raise my hand, I'm a a real-time processor and I probably work well naturally with other real-time processors. Um, But it doesn't mean I should ignore or not work with or not hire or not partner with with gradual. Because my wife, for example, she needs some time to process and I've learned that that's okay too, you know? I love that example. Um, I really appreciate that uh, because we definitely, I, I think that's a point of inclusion that uh, leaders or everyone needs to keep in mind uh, something as simple as providing a, an agenda, you know, ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Really important for some people to your point. Uh, some people want to be ready for that conversation versus just like on the spot, right? Um, I'm able to brainstorm on the spot, but I'm also that type of person that wants to do the research and then get back to you with more information later. So I definitely can relate with your example. A hundred percent. Well, look, Andy, this has been an amazing episode. Um, I, I, I hope I didn't come off rusty. You know, it's been a while since I've done some interviews, but it's it's actually really refreshing to kind of talk shop with someone else and not just, you know, come on the mic here and talk for, you know, nine or 10 minutes uh, <laughs> and, and rant and rave like a madman. So um, anything you want to plug about the organization, about yourself, um, I'd love to have you back again. I also think you give a lot of great advice if, you know, I'm not sure if you've kind of consider going more on the podcast circuit or the speaking circuit, but, but someone that's done that a lot, I think you'd be great in that, in that medium as, as well. Um, yeah. So anything you want to plug any, any other last words and then we'll get you out of here. Oh, I, I appreciate that AJ. And it's been, it's, this has been a great conversation. Um, yeah. Feel free to follow me on LinkedIn, Andy Santos at Spot Hero. Um, and we definitely, you know, I try my best to promote my company. So, um, you know, if we're in your city, definitely, you know, um, use, use Spot Hero. Um, and I'm also the head of the Chicago chapter of Alton Tech. And uh, we bring the queer community together and, uh, you know, promote um, inclusion and also promote education within our community and providing support to, you know, everyone in the queer community. Um, this has been great. And yes, no, let's uh, uh, keep in touch. Um, if there's, you know, anything else in terms of uh, just topics that, you know, I can help out with, let me know. I will. I appreciate you so much. All right. Thanks, AJ. Thank you.